Welcome to the Bible and Life. In this episode, we are going to look at a parable of Jesus that is often very misunderstood because we don't understand the cultural background and cultural assumptions. And as a result, we've made it be all about evangelism and reaching outsiders, where it really was a warning to us insiders. So stick around because you don't want to miss what Jesus has to say to you. Hey, Bible and Life listeners, welcome back to another episode. If you are listening in Austria or the Netherlands or in Ghana, I want to say welcome to the Bible and Life podcast and thanks for joining us on this show. If you've been listening for a while and haven't subscribed, now's your chance. So go ahead and just click subscribe. It would be incredibly helpful to me, both for the feedback and for the benefit on iTunes. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes, if you would just take a second and rate and review the show, that that would help me know uh, what benefits you're getting from the show. It would also help iTunes know that you're getting benefit from the show so they'd begin to promote the show more. So maybe take a second and just rate and review the show as well as subscribe. And if you are a pastor, I want to invite you to check out the courses page of my website, johnwhitaker.net. I'll put the link in the notes uh, below. But I would like to just invite you to check out my website because I've now got it set up where as a church, you can pay a monthly subscription and, and all the people in your church can have access to the courses I've created really as a resource for helping you equip and train and disciple your people. And honestly, I believe that uh, just about any church can benefit from using my courses because they put discipleship training resources right in the palm of people's hands where people live, on their phone, on their computer. And instead of having to get people to come to another church event, which is so hard to do, at least in America, now you can actually take that training resources and put it in their hands. And people will, will take 10, 15 minutes all day, every day, and watch a YouTube video or watch a training video or listen to something online. And so these courses simply put discipleship training resources right in the palm of people's hands. And as a result of that, I think they can really be beneficial to your church and really any church. So I invite you to take a look at uh, my the courses page on my website and just maybe check out if you think that might be helpful to your church as a way to help train and equip and disciple people who are new to following Jesus or put resources in people's hands that can help people who are new to following Jesus learn the Bible and all of that. So johnwicker.net slash courses. I'll put the link in the notes below. All right, with that, let's jump into the text we want to look at today. It's from Luke chapter 14. It's really a demanding and challenging parable in just a host of ways. One, just trying to really grasp it because it's so full of cultural assumptions and cultural background issues that we need to make sure we understand. That's frankly, why I have one of the courses on those courses I just mentioned being Bible study skills, because we can't just come to the text of Scripture and read it without some understanding of the background and the culture and how do we do that. That's just critical to it. And so Bible study skills is one of those courses on my courses page that's just helpful to really learning how to read the Bible in its context and hear it on its terms. And this par- this parable is one of those where we desperately need to do that. And As I mentioned in the intro, this parable has been often misunderstood, badly misunderstood because of that. It's also, therefore, been primarily made about the church going out and bringing people in. And it has a little bit, certainly, of that in this parable. But fundamentally, what Jesus is offering in the parable we're going to look at in Luke 14 is a warning 
to people who are already on the inside, to those of us who are followers of Jesus, to people maybe who grew up in the church or people grew up in a Christian home or Christian family, this parable is really a striking, sharp warning to us. All right, so let me set the table so we understand the context, at least the setting of the parable uh, in which it's told. Jesus is at a dinner party. A dinner party um, in his culture was really a big deal. And he's in some village. He's been invited over as a guest to a dinner party. So there he is with um, other folks, other religious leaders in town at this dinner party. And he's been um, having dialogue with um, the various members of this dinner party. That was a pretty common fare. Well, in the context of that dinner party, and the whole issue of the kingdom of God and the resurrection and all of that comes up. And so one of the other guests around the table blurts out, this is Luke 14, 15, blurts out, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And this idea, this imagery of God's kingdom, particularly the eternal kingdom, when it comes in its fullness, um, this this imagery of the feast was like one of the dominant imageries for the the kind of the final um, connection, the final restoration of all things when God brings his kingdom and makes all things new. One of the dominant pictures in the Old Testament, one of the dominant pictures among the Jews was of a great feast. Well, here's Jesus at a, a, a feast. It's a, a feast, but it's not the great feast. And so this particular guest blurts out, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And that prompts Jesus to tell a parable, this parable about who is going to eat at that feast. And this parable that's really a warning to insiders of God's people. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. This is important. And again, cultural assumptions. Jesus' original audience listening to this parable, when they hear a great banquet, no doubt they would picture a a room that's uh, you know lined with uh, low couches and low tables and massive amounts of food. And it's just an ornate, extravagant, lush affair with lots of food and music. And this is going to be a great, I mean, this is a big deal. And not only that, Great banquets in the ancient world in Jesus' day were were major community events. Like they were important affairs. They were um, hosted by you know the wealthy and important those with high status in town, and usually the, those that were invited um, were people who were of fairly you know high status as well. And so this is a big deal, all right? So they're going to picture a huge, big, important banquet. So this man is preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So he's invited a whole crowd that's going to fill his banquet hall. Now, in the ancient world, it's an honor and shame culture. And so a banquet like this is an opportunity for the the host to be honored, and any rejection of the invite would be a cause of shame, For particularly if there's not a good excuse. That's important in what follows. Um, and so he, before he, he you know, gets everything set, he's going to send out an initial invitation 
to all of his guests to make sure that they that you know the village calendar is cleared that there's nothing else on the calendar to make sure there's going to be an appropriate amount of people that can come and fill his banquet hall and so when it says he invited many guests this is the initial invitation and he sends out this initial invitation to the to, just to make sure here I'm planning this great banquet are you able to come let's clear the village calendar there's no other village events great Awesome. And so many guests have been invited. Now, verse 17 goes on and says, So at the time of the banquet, on the appointed time, he sent out his servant to tell those villagers who had been invited that it's time to come. Everything's ready. So this is the second invitation. So an initial invitation to clear the village calendars. And now they've all RSVP'd. They've all said, oh, sounds like a great banquet. We are in. The calendar's clear. There's no reason we can't come. They've already RSVP'd. They've already said they're coming. Now the big day is here, and the host sends out his servant to tell them um, that the time is here. The day has come. Everything's ready. Make your way over to the banquet hall, and let's, let's party. Let's feast. Let's have a great time. All right, but verse eighteen, they all alike begin to make excuses. Now here's the deal. Remember, it wasn't like they didn't know this was coming. It wasn't like um, it was a small affair. This was a great banquet. This would be something that uh, an invitation to this was priceless. The opportunity to go to a banquet like this was a cause of great celebration and great honor. They've already RSVP'd and said they're going to be there, and the village calendar is wide open. This is the only event uh, on the calendar. It's been talked about for months but they all alike begin to make excuses. Now, with that in mind, you need to hear the excuses to make sure, again, we hear them the way Jesus' original audience would have heard them. The cultural background, this is terribly important um, for us to make sure we hear this right. And so these aren't, just a spoiler alert, these aren't valid excuses. So the first excuse is this. I've just bought a field. I must go and look at it. Please excuse me. Again, this is not a valid excuse. First of all, um, why does it have to happen on this night? That land's going to be there tomorrow. But more importantly, in the ancient world, land was treasured. Land was a legacy. It was part of the village culture. It was part of a family heritage and a family history. And no one buys and no one sells land casually. Um, land, you know, was marked out with rocks that had names and trees that were landmarks. And you would never buy a piece of property, you know, like we would, where you're just going to have your agent go buy a piece of property, and then you'll figure out what to do with it later. No, property and land was tied deeply to a, a family and even a village identity. It was that important. And so when someone's going to buy a piece of land, th this process takes a long time. There's going to be weeks or months of conversation and negotiations. You're going to walk you know, that whole section of the land you're going to buy, and you're going to see every hill and know every tree before you buy it. And land is known. Um, and so for him to say, I've just bought a field and I must go see it, completely false, completely false. So that's excuse number one. And it brings dishonor to the host who has prepared this party. No reasonable and honorable guest 
would have acted this way and treated the host this way. Second excuse uh, is just a flat-out lie. Another one said, well, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. No way. Absolute lie. Um, a yoke of oxen is used for plowing a field, and the whole the whole kind of point of a yoke of oxen is they need to be able to plow together, pull together, work well. And you don't buy a yoke of oxen before you know how well they work. And in fact, if someone's selling some oxen, they're, they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to invite the villagers, send out an announcement, hey, I've got some oxen I'm selling. I'm going to be working them in my field on X number of day. Why don't you come and check out, see how they work to see if these yoke of oxen are something you want to buy. So they're going to either let you know when you can come and observe them working, or they're going to actually say, I'll have them near my field. Why don't you come and test drive my yoke of oxen? Oxen, right? Like testing precedes purchasing. And so um, this guy is just, is just flat out lying. It's the same in our culture where like with a car, right? Like you're just not going to buy a used car, but, you know, invest $5,000 in a used car before you have it, you know, tested out, before you take it for a test drive, maybe even do a pre-purchase inspection with your mechanic. You're going to make sure it works right before you invest the kind of money. Same is true here. And so this, again, is another false excuse that completely dishonors the host. And no, no honorable guest would have ever treated him this way. And then the third excuse in Jesus' culture is absolutely shocking. Um, Jesus kind of elevates the shock factor of the excuses with the third one. And again, oftentimes, we don't hear it that way. Still another said, here's the third excuse, well, I just got married, so I can't come. In our culture, we're like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense, right? Like, oh, yeah, you got married, you know? I mean, who would expect you to come to a banquet, you know, when you just got married? But not in Jesus' culture. There's all sorts of problems with this excuse. First is this. How recently did they get married? Highly unlikely that one village would host two big feasts, a marriage feast and a great banquet, within, you know, weeks of each other. So he's been married for a while, probably months, okay? So this excuse maker, I mean, the villagers would laugh at this because like, of course, right? He didn't get married just like today or yesterday or the day before. He got married four months ago, three months ago, right? Like we're not going to have two big feasts within the span of the, you know, that was the whole point of the initial invitation to make sure the village calendar is cleared. And, and, and so it's been a while. That's the first problem. Second of all, in in Jesus' culture, you just didn't talk like this. Um, there was real deference out of honor and respect for women and for wives that you just didn't talk like this and imply this idea of, well, I just got married, and so, you know, I'm going to go do married people things. You just didn't talk like this. That's a problem. And second, and thirdly, he says, so I can't come. Not even, please excuse me. No request. No, you know, honor that just I can't come. And it's very abrupt and it's very terse. And in Jesus' culture, it just wouldn't happen. This is a culture where all sorts of, you know, um, titles are used and all sorts of deferences paid to people of great status. And this would just never happen. Never happen. So again, it is a completely rude, insulting, dishonoring excuse. So here you have all three of these excuses in Jesus' parable, Jesus' little story, that um, are all really 
made-up, lame excuses that have brought shame and dishonor on the host from people who had already said they would be there. So what what does the host do? Well, the host is like, guess what? We're having a party, and if you don't want to be there, and if you're not honorable enough to come, your problem, I'm still having a party. And so um, the servant comes back, reports to the master uh, these lame excuses. The owner of the house becomes angry and orders his servant, go out into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Um, And so he sends him out into the village and just finds all those people who are at the bottom of the the social ladder, all those people who are at the bottom of the social status and who could never be expected to be invited to a great banquet like this. They just don't have the status. They're not just the kind of people who get welcome to these sorts of things. In the ancient world, to eat with somebody, you know, basically meant they considered you of equal value and worth and status as themselves. There was a there was an equality to eating together. And so the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, they don't have the status of a person wealthy enough to host a great banquet. So to be invited to come to the banquet, that's an elevation of their status. And it's something terribly important. So so the servant goes out and he invites them and, and the servant comes back and says, I've done that. What you ordered has been done. But guess what? There's still room in your banquet hall. We have plenty of space. We have plenty of seats and we have plenty of food. And so the master said to his servants, then go out into the roads and the country lanes, out beyond the village, out to people who are strangers to the village, maybe even to some Gentiles outside of the village. That would be the assumption of the original audience. Like you're going beyond our own village and welcoming people into your banquet who don't aren't even a part of our village. Yes, that's what I'm doing. So go out and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And then the final line of the banquet. Well, let's hold off on the final line for just a second. I just want to make sure we hear the significance of this. What Jesus has just done in telling this parable is he's said to honored people, people of clout, status, important, and reputation, which all was very important in a class society like Jesus's. He's basically been saying, you have deemed yourselves unworthy of this banquet. I'm bringing in people who no one would ever consider worthy. And so he's brought them into his banquet. And then verse 24, the final line, is actually not part of the parable. Jesus is actually speaking this directly to everyone sitting around the table at the banquet that he's actually at. And we know that because the word you in verse 24 in Greek is plural. And so he's addressing the crowds uh, that are, are the guests at the table that he's sitting at. And he says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to taste my banquet. And that's a warning to the listeners. That's a warning to us that just getting an invitation to the party, just getting an invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb, that's not enough. Just being maybe even an insider and knowing the scriptures and having status inside, in our case, say the church, inside the people of God, that's not enough. You need to make sure you're actually listening to Jesus and you're on board with Jesus. That's the warning. If you dishonor the invitation uh, or if you dishonor the king by disregarding the invitation, you're going to miss out on the party. And that's the stern warning for us. This text says to the original audience 
and to us that just getting an invitation isn't enough. Just thinking you're fine because you know all this stuff and you grew up with all this isn't enough. Um, If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to listen to Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to honor the invitation. So here's Jesus. He is bringing God's kingdom into the world himself. He began his ministry announcing God's kingdom is near. It's at hand. It's breaking into the here and now in his world. And Jesus wants to bring God's kingdom into our world as well. And for us to really understand what that means and what that looks like and how that plays out means we need to actually be willing to open our eyes and listen and see what Jesus actually is doing. Will we step into what Jesus is doing in the world? Will we value what Jesus values? Will we value who Jesus values? Will we understand what the kingdom of God is really all about? Or are we just going to make excuses? Are we just going to be comfortable with what we already think we know or think we like? Or are we going to be so blinded by our own tradition and our own religiosity that we figure, oh, we're just fine? And are we going to miss out on the banquet of the kingdom because we fail to honor the king and we disregard his invitation? All right, that's Luke chapter 14 and the parable of this great banquet and these excuses. And like I said, it really serves up, I think, a strong, sharp warning for us just to take stock and do a little self-evaluation and evaluate really where we're at. Are we on board with Jesus and the kingdom that he's bringing into this world? Thanks for listening to the Bible and Life podcast. This is a listener-supported show, and so if you uh, receive great benefit from this and you want to help support the show so that I can continue to make this podcast, uh, you can swing on over to my Patreon page and become a patron of the Bible and Life podcast. You can do that for as little as $5 a month, and so um, swing on over to my Patreon page. I'll put the link to that in the notes uh, as well, but it's patreon.com slash John Whitaker. So swing over there and and look at being a patron of the Bible and Life. I try to offer an extra podcast every month that is for patrons only, and there's a few other perks in in that as well. Uh, Also, as I mentioned, I've got some online courses on my website. Love for you to check those out. And particularly in view of this show, that Bible study skills course is incredibly helpful to helping us just learn how to read the Bible on its terms and in its context so we actually hear what the original authors intended to communicate to us from that. It's the Bible study skills course. It's only, uh, I think it's only $39. So it's uh, it's about two and a half hours of instruction for $39. It's a course that I taught at Boise Bible College for a long, long time. And Uh, This is really the guts of that course, so you can check that out. And also, if you like this kind of teaching, I release every Thursday a little five-minute Bible study on my YouTube channel, so you can swing over to YouTube and find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And every Thursday, uh, you can get a little five-minute Bible study where I wrestle with a question uh, from Scripture about our life and about Scripture and try to bring, again, some Bible into our everyday life. All right. Once again, thanks for listening to The Bible in Life, and we will see you next week. God bless.